So I don't know how many of you have ever heard of the um, major Egyptian temple called the Abu Simbel. Maybe some of you have heard of it, the Abu Simbel uh, dig that they did, and they, they, they found this great temple that had all these statues of Ramses and, and all these artifacts and things that they found. So the problem was is that the Egyptians decided that they needed to have a dam built with the, the Suez Canal and all of that area. And so what was going to happen is the Abu Simbel was basically going to be put underwater. So you're going to lose all of that, the Ramsey statues, the artifacts, all that stuff was going to get lost. And so I've been reading this book about the, they called her the Indiana Jones, the female Indiana Jones. That she was a French lady that was trying to save that, like trying to make it to where those artifacts be saved. And so what they decided to do was to remove that from that spot and move that temple to a different spot to where it could be safe. And you have to imagine, right? I mean, this is a temple. You can't just like, okay, okay, we're just gonna pick it up with a crane and put it over here, right? You have to move it piece by piece by piece. And what you see there is that it ended up being somewhere around 700,000 tons that had to be moved. And they were doing it just very, you had to do it really slowly, right? Because if you don't, it's gonna break apart. This is old architecture that's been built by, by the Egyptians. And so with Abu Simbel, they, over a decade or so, they moved it piece by piece and moved it to the spot to save it. And so they had to keep pushing the government back to build that dam and they had to get money for it and funding. In fact, our country was a major part of that because um, Jacqueline Kennedy, JFK's wife, was um, very much into architecture and old artifacts and that kind of stuff. And so she pushed for the Americans to give a lot of money towards that. And so when they moved that, that piece by piece, you, you, I saw pictures of it where it was like, you know, they, they'd move Ramsey's head here and then here's his body. And then, then there's like, here's this statue of his wife and here's this, this artifacts that they're moving and that type of stuff. And so like piece by piece, they moved it. And, and, and it was unbelievable when you see the finished product because you, get, you would almost not even be able to tell unless you were an archeologist that they had even moved it. It was piece by piece and it still looks almost identical. They didn't have any major damage done to it. Nothing, nothing really changed on it. It looked exactly the same. In fact, there was a part where the light would shine through it right onto the little pool area that they have with it. And they did it so intricately that when they moved it, you could still do that. Like you could still have that little piece through it and the light shine on the pool. And it was just a, a real powerful testimony, I thought, as I was thinking about what we're gonna talk about this morning, of thinking about how Christ has changed us, how even though our, in, in our lives when we, are, we have decided to follow Christ, we are united with him immediately. So I was just thinking about like when they're putting those, those things together, how much through what all of that hard work and all that thing that they were able to make it look exactly the same and how we are being built that way as well. We are not perfect in this life. We never will be, but we are made new, right? We are changed. We are, we, even though we've been moved, like we've been changed, we are, we are new in Jesus Christ. We are united to him in relationship. And so I just, I saw that as just a powerful picture of what Jesus does in our lives, how, how we are changed through the death and resurrection, what he has done. And so this morning, I really want us to dig into God's word in a couple of passages to help us to be reminded about the idea of how we are once for all united in Christ through salvation, but how day by day we are being moved and being more united in, in a relationship with Jesus. So again, just a quick reminder that 
what I'm mostly going to be talking about this morning is the idea of sanctification. So just a reminder, justification and sanctification. So justification means that we are justified before Christ. So one time alone, we are saved by Jesus, that he made the judgment that we are saved, we are new creations, we are saved by his grace by, through faith. That, that, is, that is the one-time justification. But then we move to sanctification, which is that day-by-day growth in relationship with him. That's that lifelong journey, spiritual journey that we, were, that we are on, and that we are continuing to be united in sanctification, that we are growing in our relationship with him. And so that is what we're going to be discussing more so, um, but I want us to, to be reminded of the differences of those things. So if you would open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 6, that's where we're going to be here at the beginning part of our message. So Romans chapter 6, I'm going to read the first 13 verses. So this is Paul writing um, to the church in Rome. And so right before this, he had mentioned the idea how we all have died in Adam. Like in Adam's sin, we all have our sin nature, so we are spiritually dead in that. But then we are given new life in Christ. So the question might be asked is what Paul asks here so we can discuss it. So here it is, chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe also that we will live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin, once for all, but, for the, life he, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and live to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members as, to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. So again, big question, right? You've been brought from death to life. So does that mean that I should continue to sin so that grace can just be, so God's glory, so grace could just abound all the more? And let me tell you, he gives about the most strong answer of no that you could give in scripture, right? He's very strongly saying by no means. In the, in the Greek text, that would be the most like exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. No, you cannot live like that. And why is that? He asks some questions to help us understand that. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? How can we who, even before that, how can we who died to sin still live in it, right? We have been buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. He addresses this question by telling us, absolutely not. We will not continue to live in sin because... We are followers of Christ. We have been changed. We have been moved from death to life. Now, that doesn't mean the sin nature is not still there, right? It is still there. 
But we have been moved from death to life. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. We are new creations. So we are called to live a different life. We no longer live the old life. We live the new life now. And part of that living the new life means that we, when we still sin, what do we do? We confess and we repent to others. We confess and repent to the Lord. And we move to change. We are changing. We're not continually to stay the way we have been. We are new. We sometimes think in this Christian life, because we are saved by grace, that it's easy for us to kind of just let things go, to kind of live on the edge, you know, you know, kind of get as close to sin as you can, or just dabble in this sin a little bit, because we think, hey, we're, we're covered by grace. But this passage reminds us that we are new creations. We have been made and brought from death to life, so we don't continue to live like that. We, we have Christian freedom, but we don't have freedom to do whatever we want. That doesn't, that doesn't bring us to freedom to do whatever we want, because that is rejecting the new life that we are called to, the obedience we are called to in Scripture. So we are new creations. We are new life. We have been brought from death to life, and so we need to live that out. This is honestly the idea of death to life. That is the gospel message. That is, that is the main message that we are to live our life by. Think about it. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. We are spiritually dead. We are children of wrath. We are separated from God. But then verse 4 says what? But God. God entered and brought us to new life. He brought us directly out of spiritual death and brought us to spiritual life. That is the gospel message. That is what we are to live by. And because we are brought from death to life, what does that mean? We are now united to Jesus. We are in relationship with him. We are connected to him. We were once disconnected from God, but now we are reconnected with God. We are united to God through our relationship with Jesus. And let me remind us of something that this passage teaches us. So, because it says in verse 5, For if we have been united with him in death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in resurrection like his. We know that our old self is crucified. For In verse 7, For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, in verse 8, Now we have been died with Christ, we believe that also we must live with him. One of the things that can be easy for us to talk about is what about our our being connected to Jesus? Is this something that lasts forever? Is this something that always is going to happen? And I want you to see the language here. It's clear to me that it says if we are to die with him and our, our sins put to death, like our relationship with Jesus starts, it is going to stay there. It's never going to go away. So if you are truly a follower of Christ, you will never be disconnected. If you were to go over to John's gospel in chapter 10, he's talking about how he's the good shepherd. And he says, the, she the sheep hear my voice. They know my name and I know their name. And what does it say in verse 27 and 28? My sheep will never be lost. They will never be, will go away. So if you are a true follower of Christ, there's nothing that Satan could do, another person can do, the world's circumstances, your emotions, anything that can do that can separate you from that connection. And so this passage reminds us this morning that that death to life movement is forever. It's eternal. And so our connecting, our uniting with Jesus is forever. So part of that means that now we continue to build that being united together in sanctification, that word I used before. 
that we continue to build that connection. We continue to relate with him, to read his word, to pray, to do those things. And so we see here in this passage two things. First, I want to praise the Lord's name for the fact that he has given us new life. Let us never take for granted that Jesus has given us new life. We don't deserve it. We cannot earn it. But he has pulled us out of our spiritual death and our disconnection from God and reconnected us to God and brought us to new life. So let us praise his name. Let us never take that for granted. And then again, if you are here this morning and you have never received that message, if you've never um, began a relationship with the Lord Jesus, the Lord is drawing you to a relationship. He wants to save you. He wants you to be reconnected with God. And if you have questions about that, please see myself or one of our elders in our church, and we'd love to be able to discuss with you what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. But we move towards that idea of sanctification. Being, we are once and for all, as true believers, are connected, reconnected with God. But then we move towards what does that mean as we go on that spiritual journey? Many of you in this room, maybe, some of you in this room maybe have read Pilgrim's Progress, which was probably the book that has sold the most and been the most popular beyond the Bible. Um, and I really love that story, and I think it's a great reminder to us of what we're talking about this morning and the idea of that spiritual journey that we're on, that, that Christian in the story is on the spiritual journey, and he comes across temptations, he comes across hardship, he comes across good things and bad things all along the way in his faith. And one of my favorite lines that John Bunyan put in that book is this. He says, This hill, though high, I covet to ascend. This difficulty will not make me offend. For I perceive the way to life lies here. Come, pluck up my heart. Let's neither faint nor fear. Better, though difficult, the right way up. Heart, excuse me, the right way to go than wrong, though easy, where the end is woe. So it says, better though difficult, the right way to go, than wrong, though easy, where the end is woe. And I just think about that spiritual journey, right? How we're on it. We're all working as followers of Christ, as brothers and sisters, we are on that spiritual journey to continue to build that relationship with Jesus, that we want to stay deeply connected to him. Again, we can never be disconnected. We can't lose our faith if we're truly saved, but we can start to waver and walk away and not really stay deeply connected to who Jesus is. So I want us to be reminded this morning that we are new life creations. And so being part of that means that we look for ways to stay connected to the Lord Jesus. And we know that this spiritual journey doesn't mean our sin nature has gone away, right? We still have struggles, we still have sins, we know that there are going to be times in our life where we're going to have dark seasons and hard things that come about. And sometimes they're of our own doing, sometimes they're life circumstances. But one of the things we know is that the sin nature is still there. It's still going to, it's still going to be a struggle. We're still going to have to work through it. And I, I've just thought in my life, even as I've gotten older, like I've, I've recognized how much that the Lord has began to work on certain areas of my life that I know that I struggle with. And so much of that struggle in our culture, we would talk about as individuals, that we gotta take care of this. But sin loses its power, not because of our work, but because of the work that Christ does. 
And also, sin loses its power when we are working together to help each other get to a point where we can fight the sin in our lives. There's so many people in my life, there's people in this room that hold me accountable, that, that, that help me to grow in my relationship with Christ and would call me out if I'm living in sin. You know, I have friends that are pastors. I mean, Eric Johnson is my friend from Anunk. He's preaching at Christ Cross Point this morning at the same time I am. He, he holds me accountable. I have my friend Darren that lives in Orlando that's my accountability partner. We talk on the phone every week uh, talking about all kinds of different gamut areas of really encouraging each other. One of the things that we must learn that our idea of fighting sin in this culture often is individual, but it needs to be corporate. We need to work together to help each other to grow in the faith. But more so, we need to go to God's word and to pray and to allow Jesus to work through the sin struggles in our life. So furthering on in this Romans passage, it talks about there in that middle paragraph that I was reading, um, look at verse 9. It says, we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the physical death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you all must, must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So we talked about the idea of how we've been moved from death to life. But now we understand that we also can see, be alive in God, which allows sin to lose its power. And we talk about physical death. And some of us in this room may fear that and think about that often. And we we've, have all probably had times of experiencing physical death around us. Hate and the sinfulness of our bodies take rage on our fragile bodies, right? But as Christians, we don't fear that. We don't fear physical death. Of course, it's it's hard and it's difficult when we face it in our families and with other people, but we don't fear physical death because we know there's something beyond this. We know there's something that's much better beyond this, and that's the opportunity to one day be in Christ's presence, to live forever with him and to worship him and serve him. We have that opportunity. So while we, but while we're still yet here on this earth, we are to continue to put to death our old self, our physical self, our sinful nature that we have. We continue day by day to confess and repent to others and to Jesus. We look to put, not put ourselves in, in positions to where we can give in to those sins. Because that's a big thing. Often we don't take the steps to take ourselves out of those situations where we would give in to those sinful things. And often we need those other people in our lives to help us to do that, to stay out of those situations. People should know in your life what you struggle with. Maybe it's your spouse, but maybe it's another friend or other people that can help to hold you accountable so you can continue to put to death. Because we don't want to live too much in Christian freedom to where we think what was said at the, that beginning question, that we can just sin so that grace may abound. We don't want to live that way. But also we understand the idea that, that spiritual death has no reign on us either. There's no reign of spiritual death on us if we have a, have a relationship with Jesus. It said right there at the end what I just said. So you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. We are now alive. So I don't, I don't know what it is this morning that you might be struggling with. What, what sin struggle that you might have. The thing that is, that is causing you trouble. That's causing you to not stay as connected to Jesus as you should. What, what are those things that you're struggling with? 
I want to remind you this morning that you don't have to be enslaved to those things as a follower of Christ. Because of what Christ has done to you, he's made you alive in God, he's reconnected you to him. So you don't have to give in to those things anymore. No matter how hard it is or what it may be going through, you may just be defeated this morning with those sin struggles that you have. Don't be defeated. Keep fighting. Keep talking to other people about it. Keep confessing those things and keep working towards making Jesus more connected in your life by fighting off those sin, that sin nature that you have. What comfort and security we have in the fact that there is grace, that we can be forgiven, that we can work through those sins. But part of that is that we must fight off those things, to fight off the flesh in the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. So I encourage you this morning to not, not be worried about physical death, but especially don't be worried about spiritual death. Because if you have a relationship with Jesus, you don't have to worry about that. You have been reconnected with God. No matter what life circumstance comes, what's going on in your life, you've been given grace and you are saved and you don't have to worry. The Lord Jesus died for the purpose of defeating sin and spiritual death on our behalf. Jesus is in our, was in our place. He took that on himself. So we can trust in the fact that he will guide us, he will lead us, he will help us to fight whatever sin struggle that you might have. So let me encourage you this morning, whatever you're struggling with, talk to the Lord about it, talk to other people about it. Don't isolate yourself, don't keep it away from other people. And let us, church body, let us be transparent. Let us be open with one another when we have struggles. Let's not be afraid to share with each other. What do we have to fear? We are people of grace. We have been given grace and we are to give grace. So let us live together as a church body and, and look to help each other. In verse 12 through 14, it talks about the idea of being instruments for God's glory. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make your, you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, as we've talked about. Your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. Because we've been brought from death to life, we are now instruments for righteousness. We are no longer instruments for unrighteousness. And in fact, if you go down a little bit further in that passage, we won't talk about it this morning, but it talks about how we are called to no longer be slaves to sin, but slaves to righteousness. He uses big, strong words, the word doulos, which is the idea of servant or slave, that we are no longer enslaved to sin, but we are connected to God through Christ Jesus, and we are alive in God, so now we can fight off that sin. We can work towards a deeper connection with, with the Lord. We are now instruments. We are to bring glory to God in all the things that we do. So one of the things that I mentioned in Sunday school class this morning is, is, is about the gospel and how the gospel speaks to every aspect of our life. We can't have pockets or compartments of our life where the gospel doesn't matter in those things. The gospel matters in every aspect of our lives. So whether it's your job, your home life, your sexual life, your friends, whatever it might be, all of that is 
gospel-centered. Everything that we do is centered on being alive in God, being moved from death to life, and having that relationship with Jesus. And so we are called to be instruments. We are to present ourselves as those that have been brought from death to life. We are not called to, to live in the sinful flesh anymore. We are called to live day-to-day day -day lives that make the most glory shown to who Jesus is. That is what we are called to do. The world we live in today is talking about being made alive would be, if you had that conversation, it would be all about impulses and emotions and doing what we see as best. What we see as best. The problem is, is that the sin nature still lives inside of us. Our hearts are still dark. And that path will always lead to destruction in obeying the passage of our flesh, the old self, instead of the new self. So it is so important for each and every one of us to stay connected to the Lord Jesus. That we keep our lives centered on the gospel and, and having a purpose that's bringing glory to God. We are the most alive in this life when we choose to fight temptation, when we choose to connect with God daily, when we choose to witness to others, when we relate well to Jesus, and we fight off our sin nature. That, that is when we are the most alive as Christians. What are some, let me give you some specific examples of how you can live in this new life, this new creation life, and to, to bring glory to God. One of those is regular spiritual growth, intentional spiritual growth, that you must be intentional about growing spiritually. So that means that you need to spend daily time reading God's word. You need to spend daily time talking and relating to God through prayer, whether it's praying in an intercessory way toward, for others or praying for things in your own life and just praising and worshiping him. We just need to spend that regular time making it a priority. And that includes parents with your children, that you need to make sure that you are regularly talking about the things of the Lord. Make sure that you're speaking truths into their lives so they can stay connected to God and understand who he is. And, and we pray that your children will all decide to follow Christ in their lives as well. Uniting with Jesus also means that you unite to his bride. So being a follower of Christ means if you're united with Jesus is that you're uniting with his bride, the church. And so that means we need to commit to regularly being together with one another, that we are looking always to be together, meeting together, worshiping together, serving together. We need to commit as the local church to engage when we're here, to be transparent with one another when we're struggling and sinning, and also being willing to worship and serve with one another. Using all of your spiritual gifts. Everybody that's a Christian here has spiritual gifts. Different ways that the Lord has gifted you to be able to, to lead and help and serve in our church. So we are to work together as, as the body of Christ. Because we are united with Jesus, we are united as the church. As I prayed earlier, that we are a witness to this world around us. That we are a witness to the community where the Lord has placed us because we are unified as brothers and sisters. We need to work on showing grace to one another to the point to where we feel open to being able to be united as the body of Christ. And so I encourage us to continue to do those things. But it takes being intentional. If you really want to stay united with Christ, if you want that relationship with Jesus to be strong, 
You gotta be ten- intentional about it. You have to work at it. You gotta pray about it. You, gotta, you, you can't just sit around and hope that it happens or pray the Lord will give you some sign to do it. You need to work on it. You have to, to work towards it. So we are called this morning to allow, to, to push for sin's power to be lost together corporately and individual as Christians, but more so trusting and depending on the Lord to help sin's power to be lost in our lives. There's a, a quote from a book that I've, I read a few years ago. The book was called, You Are What You Love. And James K. Smith says in that book, Jesus is a teacher who doesn't just inform our intellect, but forms our very loves. He isn't content to simply deposit new ideas into your mind. He is after nothing less than your wants, your loves, and your longings. So as we are united in relationship to Jesus in salvation, over the time of that spiritual journey, that sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we start to see our longings change our loves are fixed, and our wants become what Jesus wants. Sin loses its power as we are reconnected to the power that only the Lord can give us. So if you flip your Bibles over to John, we're just going to look at a, a quick passage here in John. We're going to John chapter 14. We're going to go to the Gospel of John and uh, see some words of Jesus to help us understand what was going on during this time. So John chapter 14, verse, starting in verse 15. So this is what John writes in his gospel, John 14, starting in verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the Lord cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, you must know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see you no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he, is, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest himself to him, myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. So you see in this passage that the disciples are under, starting to understand that Jesus is going away. They know he's going to be gone. He's, he's saying, he's telling them that he's going to leave. And you have to imagine the disciples are going, what in the world are we going to do? We've had this relationship with him. He's taught us. He's done all this stuff for us. He's so powerful with all his, his, his witness to the world and also all of his, his healings and other things. Like, what are we going to do now that he is leaving? But Jesus reassures them that, one, he's not leaving them forever. And secondly, that he's going to provide something to guide them. Because let's be reminded, we, we all need help. We all need help on the spiritual journey. If we are going to continue to unite well with Jesus, we need help. So one of the things it talks about here is if we want to be able to stay connected to God, we need to know his word and obey his commandments. 
We will not be able to have that deeper relationship with Jesus if we're not reading his word regularly where he's revealed himself to us and that we will want to obey those things. We don't just read them, right? We meditate on them, we trust in them, and we believe in them, and we follow those commandments. And so part of that help that we need is right here, what we're reading, what we're studying, what we're listening to this morning, which is God's word. So we need that to obey his commandments. And so the third member of the Trinity is what enters here, is what, what Jesus is offering, which is the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit has uses, uses his word to speak to us, but the Holy Spirit, not just in his word, but you know where the Holy Spirit is? Right in here. The Holy Spirit lives inside. And so the helper that we need is the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. He offers us the help. He allows us, keeps us connected in that relation with God through prayers, through conviction, through encouragement, through understanding his word. The Holy Spirit is with us. And so the Holy Spirit guides every aspect of our life, allowing us, if we allow him to, we can rely on him and trust him to guide us in the way that we, that we need to go. And there are also going to be times in this life where we feel isolated, discouraged on the spiritual journey. If you read Pilgrim's Progress, Christian often felt that way. Jesus, again, with a strong promise, reminds us that we are not to be left, right? He says that in verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet in a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you will also live. That death to life idea. And then it says, in that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. See how that's that connection, that relationship, right? That we are connected to him. We don't have to worry. And the disciples at that time didn't need, not need to worry that he was going to be leaving because he was still there through his word, through the Holy Spirit. We, didn't, we did not have to, to worry about that. So Jesus offers us that strong promise. Because we've been brought from death to life, we are connected to Jesus through his death and resurrection, which allows us to be motivated to continue to reconnect, to connect with him. We are already connected. We stay there. We stay united. We keep working towards that. So Judas asked that question. You might wonder about that question that Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world, right? Because it's kind of weird. Because he's like, I'm, I'm going to say it to you guys, but I'm not going to say it to the rest of the world, just, just my followers. So Judas is like, how are you going to do that? So what is his response to that question? <clears throat> he says, Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Again, it's the idea of understanding God's word and following it and being obedient. And my father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. So both, it's that idea of, of his revealed word and studying that and knowing it and being obedient to it. But also there's that other part, right? Where's Christ going? What does it say? To make a home for us. Where is our home? In heaven and then the new heavens and the new earth. He's preparing that. He's getting ready for us when that time comes where he will return and, and the new heavens and new earth will begin and we will be in worship and service and with him and, and in his presence. So we are not orphans. We're not being left. We have the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and Christ has gone to make a home for us. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that wonderful? What, what encouraging words of promise to us. So I just want us to be reminded this morning that that we are called to live in Christ. 
We have been united in a relationship with him through his justification, through his salvation, through death and resurrection. We've been brought from death to life. But we are called this morning to live in him daily. It's a daily walk. It's a spiritual journey that we're on. We're going to fall. We're going to fail. But we go back to him. We keep going back to his word. We keep going back to prayer. We keep going back to confession and repentance as we keep building that relationship with the Lord. And today's message, sometimes it might feel like it's a, an American way of pull up your bootstraps and, and you know, get yourself united with Christ. But I want you to be reminded, if we try to do this spiritual journey on our own, we will fail. We need other Christians. We need the body of Christ. And we also need Jesus. We need a relationship with him. He's the one that's going to work in our lives. His Holy Spirit that lives inside of us is going to work in our lives. And I, I always think about the tension that Paul writes in Philippians 2, 12 and 13. It says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. You hear that tension in there? Both things are happening. It says, work out your own salvation in fear and trembling, right? We're, we're continuing to be united with Christ in our, in our walk with him, our obedience, our understanding the re revealed word. But it says there, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So we are united to Christ through his work that he's doing and, and the Holy Spirit that's working in our lives, but we are also called to work. We're called to be obedient. We're called to study his word, called to live that out. That is what we are called to do. We are united to Christ forever in a relationship because of Jesus' work in our place. Uh, we continue to unite daily through the work of Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, working out our salvation with true fear of God. This is a real struggle, and I think we all know that. It's just a real struggle. So I don't know where you're at with your relationship with the Lord this morning, but I want you to be reminded that you have the grace and forgiveness that only Christ can offer you. So if you're struggling deeply in sin, make it known to the Lord. Receive his forgiveness and go to other people and allow them to help you with that. If you're struggling this morning with trusting that you really believe that the Lord wants that kind of relationship with you, be reminded that he does. He wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to relate to you and spend time with you and to forgive you and to help you along this spiritual journey. So brother and sister in Christ, remember you are free and nothing can take that away. Brother and sister in Christ, remember this morning the power of the Holy Spirit. We are called to continue to unite with Jesus through relationship and obedience through God's word. Take this message to heart this morning and go forward and live for the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Lord, we are so grateful to be in your house this morning to study your word. Lord, I am just so challenged by this message in my own heart. Lord, I, I need to, to work better at uniting with you on a daily basis. Lord, I, I need to help my kids to do better at uniting with you daily. And so, Lord, help me to set aside the distractions in my own life. Uh, allow me to be open and transparent with people in this room as my church family about the things I'm struggling with and need work on. Because, Lord, we, we, we are on this journey together. So, Lord, I just pray that you will continue to strengthen each person in this room. I pray that they have been challenged and encouraged this morning to be continue that work, that spiritual journey of being united to you every day. 
Uh, Lord, I, I pray that you will help. Uh, if there's anyone in this room this morning that has not started a personal relationship with you, that does not have, has not had faith in you, Lord, I pray that they will be drawn to a relationship, Lord, and I pray that you will allow them to be bold to ask questions they might have. And Lord, I just pray that you will uh, bring people in this room to your uh, saving faith in a relationship with you, being united through your, from death to life. Lord, and we thank you that you have given us that opportunity to be moved from spiritual death to spiritual life, and someday even the idea of physical death to physical life, where we are reunited in the new heavens and earth. Like, what, Lord, I, I just look so forward to that day when, we, when I get to be in your presence. Lord, I, there's nothing more. I, I want to live many more years in this life with my family and my church family, but Lord, I want to be someday. I look so forward to the day where I get to serve you, worship you with my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ forever and in eternity. So Lord, thank you for that opportunity that I would not have been able to have on any other way. And so Lord, I just pray that you will help uh, each person in this room to strive in their lives to, to love you more, to worship you more, and do it in the power of you, not in our own power. Lord, thank you so much for what you've challenged and encouraged us with this morning. And as we go to sing more songs of worship, of response, I pray we do it in a way that brings glory to you. We pray this in your great and gracious name. Amen.